0: Let me Google that. So one of you called in and said, Didn't you write a book? And I was like, Did I write a book? (laughs) Yes, I did. Uh, I just have moved on to other things. But yes, I wrote a book several years ago and it did quite well um i got to do an audiobook which you could definitely listen to rather than me talking about it yeah, you could read the book go to your local library and see if they have it get an ebook if you're in korea it's been translated so that's nice um and the new york times didn't hate it they actually reviewed it twice and were really nice both times which was really neat um it got a lot of really nice attention and sort of by You know, I can actually die now, totally accomplished, not because I wrote the book, but because Gillian Anderson blurbed it. (laughs) Yeah, that Gillian Anderson, X-Files, sex education. I'm not kidding. You can go look it up. It's like on her Twitter still. Anyway, uh, but it made me realize that there was actually, there was one part of the book in particular that I always regretted not being able to expand upon. And I had written a lot more that didn't get to stay in the book because the book needed to talk about a lot of other things. Um, And it needed to make room for, like, personal things. And I was actually really interested in the history and the science. And I thought, you know what? I'm actually going to, if you'll humor me, I'm going to, like, read you a little bit from it so that we can talk about this topic, which is the pain scale. So you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the pain scale. Maybe. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. If you've ever been injured and in the emergency room, they say, what's your pain on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, like, what's the deal with that? And why do we think that using that is, like, a a legitimate idea like where did that come from so if you'll just join me briefly um i would like to just rather than going over it all again just give you a little bit of um what i had originally researched on this sort of in the context of the book and then obviously like open it up to questions at the end because i'd actually really like y'all to call in and tell me what your experience of the pain scale is like because it is so subjective And our attempts to make it objective have been fraught with failure since, um, well, since the 1940s. Because that's when a group of researchers at Cornell were trying to come up with an objective method to use in measuring pain. And they suggested that a person's pain threshold to be measured in a unit that they called the dole, which was short for dolor, which is Latin for pain. And once they had a name, they had to figure out what a dole actually was, and the only way to do this was to design experiments that intentionally inflicted various types of pain on humans, and then they had to, you know, scale them up. So that's pretty much what they did. They came up with over 100 different experiments using various pain-inflicting stimuli, and as they reached the upper limits of pain, they were confronted with a very obvious problem. To understand pain at that level... They would truly have to injure somebody, and the margin of error for something like that would have no doubt been very small. What they needed was a highly painful experience that wasn't going to maim or kill anybody and that they could easily observe. And that's how researchers from Cornell found themselves in an obstetric wing of New York Hospital burning the hands of women in labor. The results of the study were published in 1949 And it might seem like the study's authors would have had a lot of convincing to do when it came to recruiting women to take part. But actually, as they noted in the introduction, it wasn't very hard. The majority of the women volunteered because they were curious about what they were trying to do. And many of them were either married to doctors or had been nurses, and they understood the challenge that pain presented in the field of medicine. They were, however, a little bit dubious about the method. Because, quote, most of the patients commented upon the fact that the sensation from the uterus would be completely different in quality, duration, and locale, and therefore expressed doubt as to the possibility of equating the two sensations in terms of intensity. So that was what the authors wrote. And, you know, they were right. And they noted that those concerns were not necessarily borne out by experience and that the majority of the women cooperated in describing their pain without any issue. So the experiment kind of went like this. As the 13 women in the study were in labor, in between contractions, the researchers would burn one of their hands with a thermal device, and they'd calibrated it to deliver varying levels of intensity. So the researchers had set a value of a dole as being approximately one-tenth the intensity of the maximal pain, which they were hoping the experiment would help them establish. Now what they really needed was for the women to be able to compare not just the intensity of the two types of pain, but their qualities. Now, of course, as labor progressed, the women were understandably less communicative than they were at the outset and such. The researchers had to make inferences about the pain that they were experiencing by noting their behaviors. For example, were they crying, complaining, sweating, throwing up? All of those things. Now, not surprisingly, at least not to the women in the study, the pain experienced by at least one of them managed to go to the maximum value for the Dole Pain Measurement Scale, which was a 10.5. And this is what the researchers called the most intense pain which can be experienced. Now, these experiments in Dolorimetry dole- dole- provided a lot of fascinating data about pain. And it scientifically confirmed what women have known for millennia, which is this, that childbirth can push you beyond the perceived limits of the human pain threshold. It did not, however, provide medicine with the kind of objective measurement that it needed for pain assessment. Now, as compelling as these studies were, they were still relying on a patient's willingness and ability to report their pain, which was inherently subjective. Now, of the research that was done to try to establish a truly objective measure of pain throughout the 21st century, what most people are probably familiar with is that 0 to 10 pain scale. Now, the concept seems straightforward enough. You just ask patients where their pain is on a scale of 1 to ten, zero being no pain and 10 being the worst pain that they can possibly imagine. Now, presumably, when patients report something somewhere in the middle, they're comparing their current pain to previous painful experiences. So women who have given birth often would compare their present moment of pain to something like the pain of childbirth. They might say, well, it's not as bad as late-stage labor. Or if you've broken a bone before, you might say, well, it's worse than that time I broke my leg. Now, since we all have varying degrees of tolerance for pain and have equally varied experiences with different types of pain, it makes the scale feel kind of meaningless. Especially when you consider that the person trying to ascertain how much pain the patient is in has their own experiences with pain that are also thrown into the mix. So a doctor trying to figure out how much pain a patient is in when they say, well, it's worse than a broken leg, but it's not as bad as childbirth, is still only going to be able to guess at what that means based on their own experiences and perceptions of pain. And this is true for any human being who witnesses another human being's pain. And I have sort of an anecdote from my childhood about this, because when I was in the fourth grade, my best friend Hillary went to lift the grate off the top of a fire pit in her backyard. She did not realize, because she was a child, that it had retained the heat of the smoldering coals under it, and she suffered severe burns to both of her hands, which required, to my 10-year-old eyes, an impressive amount of bandaging. Now, I remember having to help her write her classwork and, like, turning the pages of a book because these things were just agonizing for her. And the thing was is that I knew that she was in pain, but I couldn't know exactly how she felt. So I had experienced a few childhood injuries, and some of them were pretty bad. And I imagined that it probably felt like that, but I couldn't know for sure what it felt like to be in her body. And that really concerned me because she was my best friend, and I wanted to take her pain away. So when you think about doctors being in emergency rooms, they don't really have a lot of investment in a patient's well-being. They just can't. They don't have time, and they have to maintain some level of professional detachment. Otherwise, they'd never make it through a shift. And here is where the pain scale is helpful. It doesn't call on them to empathize. It doesn't make them try to understand the experience of pain. Supposedly, that makes it a really effective clinical tool. But even if it's necessarily a tool for clinicians, it doesn't really mean it's a great tool for patients. The pain scale has limitations. It's only concerned with the intensity of the pain, not the duration, for example, and it doesn't leave room for descriptions that provide essential information such as sharp or dull or stabbing. These adjectives, though not reflected by the 1-10 to label, can actually be very helpful in creating a diagnostic portrait because certain types of injury or infection can inflict certain types of pain. So at one point in the 2000s, Harper's ran this really beautiful piece about the pain scale, and it kind of described it like the wind. So... There was a quote from that that I remember very much. And it was like, wind, like pain, is difficult to capture. And that's really very true, I think. It's a very apt description. So, I mean, how would we describe a two on the pain scale? Is it like the twinge of a mosquito bite or an itch that you mistakenly scratched with like a fingernail that was just a little bit too sharp? It's actually really hard to describe subtle pain compared to something that's really all-consuming and excruciating. And this problem has always intrigued me, because I like to think that I'm kind of a creative person, and I probably could come up with some really extreme situations in which I would feel immense pain, in which I would feel a 10 pain. Like, this is the pain that would is, is meant to kill me because it's a 10. So there's actually, like, another scale here that you could think about. Um and it's designed for kids you may or may not have ever seen it if you've been in an emergency room probably more likely if you were at like a family practice but it has like um faces on it instead of numbers i mean there are numbers and colors but it's like faces it's like a you know a really crying face and then a happy face and it's basically like zero i don't have any pain and then 10 is like you know leslie nope saying everything hurts and i'm dying so the thing is is that It was meant for kids, but I think it's actually a lot more effective than just looking at it for numbers because it's simpler. Um, But at the same time, I think the problem with this scale, which tried to do something a little bit better than the numerical scale, but then it fell short, is this. For kids especially, and I don't know about you, but I'm an adult person, and I often conflate pain, like physical pain and emotional pain. So a child who's looking at that or somebody like me who's kind of emotionally underdeveloped is going to look at that scale and say, well, you know, the thing is, is that I'm actually really upset about this. So I'm definitely on like the crying side of the scale, but that's not necessarily because of the pain so much. It's because I'm like scared, you know, so it, it, it brings in these other variables. So, again, we fall short on having a pain scale that's effective and that can be used in a variety of situations. And I don't know, though, on some level, is that maybe the point, though? So if my pain is enough to make me scared, shouldn't that bump it up from uh, I'm coping fine with this four to I'm a really not functioning five? I mean, that's kind of like where I am at with it that's that's kind of how i've decided to think about it and the thing is is that you know we're still working on developing these pain scales we're still working on developing language and like i said i only got to talk about that little piece of it in the book and i wish i'd gotten to explore it more and it is something that i i think i'd like to explore more but um to answer that person's question yes i did write a book and and this part that i just shared with you is is from it I'll link it in the description if you're curious. There's a lot more sort of if you're interested in history and medicine and particularly if you're interested in, you know, sort of um, chronic illness and uh, just weird stories about people's lives, especially like, you know, women being like, hey, um, I think I have something wrong with me. And then the medical profession being like, actually, you're just hysterical. I could do an entire episode on hysteria, but you know what? I'm not going to because I wrote a book. Anyway. Thank you to that person who asked. Um, It was kind of fun to take a trip down memory lane. And, you know, sorry I brought you along.